Welcome to the Museum Reveal podcast, brought to you by the Queensland Museum Network. Join me, Dr. Bell, as we chat to the people that make museums so fascinating, from curators, scientists and researchers. Dive deep into conversations with these storytellers that inspire us to be curious about our past, that makes sense of the present, and of course, help us consider the future. And right now we're joined by Marissa McNamara, who's the Collection Manager of Crustacea. So I'm going to start by asking you if you can sort of define what crustacea is, or what's a crustacean? What, what groups does it include, and maybe what it doesn't, but people might think it does? Yeah, that's a great question. So crustaceans um, include familiar animals like shrimps, lobsters, prawns, and crabs, but they also include less familiar animals like uh, barnacles. Oh, so a barnacle is in the same big, well, so there you go, I've learned something new. A barnacle is in the same group as a lobster. That's correct, or yeah. Sub, subphylum, is it, or whatever it might be. Anyway, it's the same biological uh, group. It is, there. it's a subphylum, yep. They're um, arthropods, the crustaceans are in the phylum arthropoda, but it's um, subphylum crustacea. And um, you're not alone in being uncertain about barnacles because people for a long time didn't know um, what barnacle, what group barnacles were part of. So were, they, were they homeless or did they belong to a different group? Uh, for a while, well, or? some some people assigned them to like mollusks because you know they sure. look like they they have a shell, mm -hmm. right? And people even uh, in the Middle Ages thought that geese hatched from barnacles. Oh, so, okay. Uh, there's, um, Interesting. There's been a lot of confusion about barnacles over the years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because they're hidden underneath the, the those valves, but actually the animal inside looks like a tiny little shrimp that's um, cemented by its head and its feet are used to feed. So when the valves open up, they stick their feathery feet out and they uh, pick up particles of food from the water. Huh, there you go. Fascinating. I didn't realize, I thought barnacles were just a nuisance, but now I find out they're a fascinating nuisance. Yeah, they are. They're <laughs> um, quite interesting. And there's different groups of barnacles. So those um, uh, barnacles that people have associated with geese are in a group called uh, the goose barnacles because they are on a stalk. So um, you have the acorn barnacles that are like little volcano looking things on yep. rocks. They're the ones I can think of. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the goose barnacles and they're really... They look like aliens. We have some very cool specimens at the museum that um, you hold up a jar and it just looks like this bizarre thing on a stalk. And Excellent. Well, speaking of the museum collection, can you t talk us through, I guess, some of the the other things that you've got in the collection there? And I guess how many, and you might not know the exact number, but what sort of size is the collection? Yeah, so the crustacean collection, we have um, over 50,000 registered lots. So quite a few specimens. There's 23 uh, rows in the compactus in the, in the wet store. Wow. And uh, there's a whole range of wonderful creatures that I get to see. So actually barnacles are at the beginning. The, the first row of the crustacean section is barnacles. And then we move on to things like shrimps, uh, crabs, of course, lobsters. Um, one really fascinating group um, is the stomatopods, the mantis shrimp. Okay. So yeah. they're one of my favorites. Yes, yes. I want to talk more about them as well. I think I, I'm also quite fascinated by uh, by mantis shrimp. How do you how do you keep a crustacean though? Like I'm just thinking of myself, I'm familiar with crabs, lobsters and prawns, definitely. Yeah. Um, the insides obviously wouldn't preserve particularly well dried out, I imagine, although the outsides would. So do you sometimes just keep the shell or you, you were talking about the wet store? Is that where yep. they're sort of stored within alcohol or something? Yeah, so that's a great question. So at the museum, um, just in general, um, different collections have different proportions in ethanol and dried. So for the crustaceans, about 90% of the collection is is wet, is in okay. ethanol. So um, most of the time, if we have a crab or a lobster 
or whatever, um, we just put it into a jar and, and fill it up with ethanol. We don't have to fix it first. For some large things like fish, they actually have to be fixed with formalin before they go into ethanol. But for most of the crustaceans, because they're small enough, we can just put them straight into ethanol. But yeah, so when you think of the crustacean collection, you're actually, what it is, is jars and jars filled with ethanol with crabs and, and lobsters and wonderful creatures. Excellent. And do they, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do they retain their colour in the jars of alcohol? And the colour that we often associate with, double barrel questioning, the colour we often associate with crabs and lobsters being, you know, bright red and orange, that's not necessarily the colour that they are in the environment anyway. So can you maybe talk us through, I suppose, how we how they get that red colour or where that comes from and, and what sort of colourations might be preserved in your collection, whether it be dried or... Right. Um, so let me just... Uh, I think were you talking about the red color? That's I think the famous thing with lobsters, right? When they're like um, boiled, I and suppose then they come yeah, out with that red. You know, the when, restaurant, yeah, that's, that's how like American... most people think of the color of ice. Yeah, and so that that's that's just because it's been boiled, right? Um, they're not that sorry, color that, in the environment. Well, the the American mostly. lobsters aren't that bright red color. Okay. Um, but in terms of the color of the specimens in ethanol, they do lose color over time. Okay, but um, like I just had a a little. Chirax crayfish specimen with a very cute orange fingertips. So the um, it's one of the common species around Brisbane at, that someone had collected and brought in. So I've put that into ethanol, and it's been a couple of weeks, and I can still see the color of the orange tips of the claws. So um, I'm not sure exactly how long it will take for it to fade, but eventually they do fade. Okay. But you can still see some of the beautiful patterns on okay. them, yep. which is really cool. Um, yeah, I was just actually um, taking out some specimens of this reef crab that has a really striking appearance, uh, a beautiful orange color uh, in life. And so you couldn't see that in the jar, but you could still see the pattern on the back of it, which okay. was cool. Excellent. So um, I think that covers it. But in terms of uh, coloration in general, uh, you get a, a huge range of color depending on the crustacean in life. I mean, everything under the sun. Mantis shrimps, again, because they're so cool. <laughs> um, the peacock mantis shrimp has this amazing green and red and uh it's a striking coloration on it. So yeah, you get a whole variety. Okay, excellent. Now you, you mentioned crabs there briefly, and I suppose not just the crabs maybe, but across crustaceans again. Are there poisonous, well maybe venomous is a better question. Are there venomous crustaceans? So, uh, okay, first of all, difference between poisonous, poisonous and, and venomous. venomous. Yes, yeah, so venomous is the creature injects the toxin into mm -hmm. you, whereas the uh, poisonous is passive, so you have to eat it. Eat it yeah. So yes, there are um, poisonous reef crabs. They're in the super family Xanthoidea, most of them, which is, they're also called black-fingered crabs, uh, and they're often very brightly colored. Mm -hmm. But they um, can be extremely toxic. So one species that is found off the Queensland coast was found to have enough toxin to kill 40,000 people because it was so concentrated. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually a bit of a mystery how those crabs get the toxin in them. They're mostly scavengers, those species, and it, it might be that they're eating um, like... Um, toxic algae things oh, okay. like that so but accumulating yes from accumulating it but it is a, it's a bit of a mystery there's still uh, research being done onto uh, w the source because it doesn't seem to be something the crabs are generating themselves but mm. um yes yeah, so uh, people have died especially in island uh, nations by eating you know catching a crab from the Wrong reef and of, eating yep. it and yeah it's the last meal so definitely um we say if you don't know what the crab is don't eat it especially if it's from you know, a coral reef somewhere. Stick around as we find out more about mantis shrimp and possibly a little bit about krill and blue blood. 
Did you know Queensland has more animal species than anywhere else in Australia? We are one of the most biologically diverse places on earth. With over 300 specimens to explore, take a tour through our breathtaking environments and discover how we need to protect and preserve our natural world. Visit Queensland Museum's Wild State Exhibition today. Welcome back to the Museum Revealed podcast. We are chatting with Marissa McNamara and we're talking about crustaceans and we're going to dive right now into, I think, Marissa's favourite topic or favourite crustacean, the mantis shrimp. Can you tell me about the mantis shrimp and why they're so amazing? Uh, gladly. So mantis shrimp are these incredible predators. They strike with the speed of a bullet. So there's... <laughs> cool um, already. <laughs> uh, I know, right? So there's two groups of mantis shrimp based on how they feed. There are spearers and smashers. So <laughs> the spearers have a uh, sort of serrated knife-shaped raptorial limb that they use. They um, strike with it and they can spear soft-bodied prey like fish. Mm-hmm. And then the smashers have a club-shaped raptorial limb that they use to smash things like shells or um, crustaceans. They have in- incredible coloration. They also have incredibly sophisticated vision. So they have the most complex vision in the animal kingdom. So whereas humans have three cones in our eyes to see the colors that we see, mantis shrimp have 12. Wow. So they can see um, ultraviolet light, uh, polarized light, they just have this amazing vision. They've been called shrimp from Mars. Um, and researchers don't even know exactly why they have such complex vision. They think it might be related to mating signals or obviously, you know, some sort of communication. But it's still a, a bit of a mystery, which is really so cool uh, that we don't know everything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, mantis shrimp vision has actually been used in some research applications. So some researchers have used the way that the cells... The cells in mantis shrimp eyes are um, aligned at like a 45 degree angle and there were as a group of researchers who made um, a bio-inspired camera by stacking the uh, camera elements at the same 45 degree angle and uh, that camera has been used like in cancer detection uh, because it can detect things I guess better than other cameras and uh, mantis shrimp vision has also been used to help um, develop technology for self-driving cars. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, their cameras or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you never know what applications research will have. I mean, who would have thought that some crustacean eye would end up being used with self-driving cars? Yeah, it must be one of the, cars. the most complicated eyes in the, in the animal kingdom, really. Yeah. And then it's probably quite hard to imagine what it looks like through a mantis shrimp's eyes when you can only see through our eyes and, you know, we think we can see the rainbow of colours yeah. as opposed to, you know, dogs who might not be able to see yeah. a particular colour. Yep. So it's obviously impossible for a dog to know what we can see with that that extra colour. Yeah. Um, but to even wrap your head around what a mantis shrimp must see. I would love to be able to see through a mantis shrimp's eyes. Crazy. <laughs> if I could. And yeah, I mean, if you see a video clip of them even, like the eyes just have this amazing appearance and they're both moving independently and they just look so cool. Oh, now in case anyone out there is now afraid to go in the water because mantis shrimp are there with their spears and their clubs, how big is a mantis shrimp? Um, they they range in size. They um, uh, Quite a few of them are maybe about 10, 15 centimetres, but they can get quite big. We have one uh, specimen at the museum that uh, is in this big jar and maybe it's about... Uh, 20 centimeters so sort of long. small lobster size yeah, yeah and it's okay. it's a very cool creature so they can they can reach a, a decent size now i've also heard and this may not be true this could be a myth so let me know um have they been known to break aquarium glass uh, yes i i believe 
that is true. Okay. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised for, based on what they can do. Uh, yes, but... I've I've tried to find actually you know a video uh, showing yep, yep. it, which Some was a little evidence. bit difficult. Good, good. But no, they they do strike with incredible force though. So I I think that is um, every chance they could crack a yes an aquarium glass. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so if you're going to collect mandarin shrimp, make sure you've got nice strong glass or maybe polycarbonate or something that they can't get through. Now, I'd also really like to know about a species of crustacean that's probably not thought about very much, but they're probably massively abundant, and that's krill. What can you tell us about those little things? So krill are crustaceans. They look like tiny shrimp, and uh, they feed on phytoplankton, single-celled plants in the ocean, and they play an important role in the marine food chain because uh, lots of other animals feed upon krill, like birds and whales. And uh, yeah, so they're they're small, but they're incredibly important in the food so chain. So they're sort of the start of the food chain for a lot of things in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Not everything, but yeah, a, a, a link. Lot. In, and then yeah. yeah, a link, a link. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, moving on to probably a favorite area of mine when it comes to crustaceans, aside from the mandarin shrimp, because they're probably my favorite as well, um, crabs, because I think there's lots of cool things about crabs. Yeah. One is there's a couple of particular crabs that I've, I've read about, so you can let me know whether you think they're cool. The first is a spider crab, or maybe it was the Japanese spider crab. Do you know much about them? Yeah, so they're one of the largest crabs in the world. Um, so the question of largest crab actually kind of comes down to how you want to define mm, it. Leg span or heaviest? Yes, or, yep, exactly. Okay. So the, the spider crabs are uh, the largest in terms of leg span. I okay, would have guessed that from the name. Yep, okay. Yes, so so um, how, how big do they, we're sort of talking? Yep, so the... The Japanese spider crab can actually reach 3.7 meters across its leg span. That's, that's, uh, that's enormous. <laughs> yes, it's um, the largest leg span of any arthropod. Well, that's, yeah, I wouldn't particularly want to run into one of those. That sounds like something out of a Harry Potter film, to be honest. Yes, it does. That's, that's huge. <laughs> but um, one of the other uh, largest crab species that we have in Australia is the giant crab found off Tasmanian waters. Um, that one doesn't get quite so big in terms of the, le the leg, leg span, span. but um, it can be quite... Uh, massively heavy and it can reach um, 14 kilograms and has a claw that can reach the size of a human forearm. Whoa! Yeah, so they're That's, very cool. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, a dry specimen at the museum and also just a claw at the museum that I often bring out yeah. for <laughs> events. And yeah, it is massive. And Scaring young children probably. That's, That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Uh, That's what we like to do at the museum. Wow. <laughs> but um, And it's the males that have that oversized claw that reaches that size so the females have two claws that are the same size and there's actually a fishery for the um, giant crabs off the southern waters of australia but they have to manage the fishery because okay. they're a, a deep water slow growing species the giant crab so um yeah if they if they're overfished they won't be able to recover recover yep. yep and so were you saying the males have is it just one big claw or both claws were so the males have one oversized claw huh. and then the one claw that's smaller so. is that a little bit like the the little guys you see running around fiddler, in the crabs. Mud, the fiddler crabs so exactly. they have one oversized claw as well don't they sort of hold up and that's right for mating displays and you know wrestling other males yep. Yep. and whatnot so that's that's exactly right there's lots of really cool fiddler crab species even in morton bay um Yes, you can definitely go out and find those. They're, yeah, they're, they're and there's great. there's some that are, um, the colors are just amazing. Like um, there's one species, the lemon fiddler, uh, that has, like it can be like a black and white stripe or like this incredible black and white modeling and this yellow claw and it looks like something out of a painting by, you know, someone who's yeah, awesome. on drugs or something. <laughs> <laughs> something I've found kind of fun, not that I've done it on purpose, but I've, I've sometimes noticed if a fiddler crab scuttles down the nearest hole and it's not its hole it'll sometimes then whoop scuttle <laughs> yeah. back out because it's being chased yeah, away which is right. which is they kind all, of fun they all have their little, <laughs> their own little holes yep. yeah but it's amazing because you know if you walk down there they all disappear yep. they're so quick yeah because we've tried to catch them and um 
yeah, they're very hard to yes, catch. Yes, no, I've had to, I have to get, go and catch them myself, and I'm usually usually up to the um, the shoulder, but in yeah. the mud. By the time you go, oh, I think I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Now the last thing I want to chat about um, is something that a lot of people might not know about crustaceans. They've got different blood, I suppose, to a lot of the rest of us mammals anyway. Um, tell me what you know about their blood. Yeah, well, that's weird. right. So uh, humans, we have red blood because hemoglobin is the protein that binds oxygen and uh, crustaceans use a different copper-based protein called hemocyanin. So uh, it does give the blood a bluish color, uh, which is pretty cool. So they're almost royalty in a way, aren't they? That's blue exactly, blood. Right? well, I mean, we come like on. <laughs> can, can either of us aspire to be as, as great as a crab? No, no, probably not, probably not. So do we think that's just a, that's just an evolutionary quirk? I mean, so we have iron that sort of helps bind our blood, uh, oxygen. They just happen to have copper. Maybe it's more abundant in the ocean. I'm not sure. Did do you? I, I've no idea. Do you that's, have any idea where it comes that's from? That's a very good question. Um, I there are other organisms that use even oh, okay. a different. Um, I think in some worms, there's a different compound as well that they use. Um, so it may just be. Uh, you know, we're human-centric, so we think yep. hemoglobin is the best, the but best, hemocyanin yep, but seems to, to work as well. Obviously, they're pretty abundant, and you have 50-odd thousand in your collection, so there's, yes. there's plenty around. And uh, speaking of blood, there's another interesting thing uh, with horseshoe crabs. Now, horseshoe crabs are not actually crabs. They're not crustaceans. They've um, got that common name, though, because of their appearance. They're strange-looking creatures, yeah. They're strange, very prehistoric-looking creatures. Mm. Um, so they, um, their blood has this really fascinating property where uh, they have compounds in it that will latch onto any foreign invaders like bacteria. And so horseshoe crabs are actually harvested by the thousands for, by pharmaceutical companies that huh. um, extract their blood to be used in like chemical assays to detect for the presence of bacteria and things. So horseshoe crab, even though they're not a crab, blood is used to detect like bacteria, bacteria and... viruses in lab tests. For yeah, in some, in some tests. Yeah, so it's another uh, sort of fascinating thing uh, yeah. for the natural world. Amazing. Even though they're not crustaceans, they're not crustaceans but, but they have the name crabs, so can, we, I can talk about that's it. That's true, they're sort of in there. Look, Marissa, it's been fascinating. Thanks so much for joining us. I've certainly learned a lot. Hope you've learned a lot as well. Thanks for joining us on the Museum Revealed podcast. What did you uncover this episode? If you're interested in learning more, then follow the Queensland Museum on social media. That's at Queensland Museum. Or head to our website, qm.qld.gov.au. And while you're there, you can sign up for the e-news list um, so you can keep up to date with everything. And there'll be show notes that go along with this so you can delve a little bit deeper into some of the things we've chatted about. And until next time, stay curious.